We're doing this. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck it. It's the very A podcast. We're Sean and Cass. Yeah. Nothing can stop us. Yeah. <laughs> We're at your parents right now. Yeah. Yeah. We're loving life. I'm happy to be here. We're stretching out our coronavirus negative test as far as it'll go. Yeah, we got a negative test result like two weeks ago. And then we went and saw your mom. Mm-hmm. That was the last episode of our podcast. Then we went to New Hampshire and met up with our sweet friend, Emma. Yeah, that was Shout great. out to Emma for having us to her family estate that was built in the 1800s. Yeah, that was so crazy. I felt like I was time traveling. Yeah, yeah. So we spent a few days there, and then we rolled into my parents' house. And this is our first time being in the house since all this started. No, I know. It, it still feels a little naughty, you know? Yeah, yeah it does. <laughs> like, uh, every once in a while, I'll have a second, like, what if I fucked this up? Mm. I would never be able to forgive myself, but I also wouldn't be able to forgive myself if we didn't spend time with your family. So it's like a... It's important. You can kind of see what our presence does for them. And what their presence does for us. Yeah. 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 It's good. It's deeper spiritual work. We talk about that all the time. Ram Dass says, if you think you're on the path to enlightenment, go spend a week with your family. Right. It's like. Oh, yeah. We just had like. True. We were just like traveling. And we're like, oh, we'll come back and it'll be all chill. And then like first morning back, it was like intense family meeting. And yeah. yeah. Intense stuff just keeps on happening. Yeah. But it's here for us. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's something that has uh, switched in our life over the years. Yeah, I have to thank Ramin because I feel like he's the first person that introduced me to the concept of um, pronoia yeah. instead of paranoia. Yeah. And ever <laughs> since then, I've just held on. If I cling to anything, it's pronoia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's pretty funny. Well, why don't you explain what pronoia is in case people have never heard that term? Oh, it's the idea that the universe is conspiring to help you, yeah. not not hurt you. And so, you know, even if things feel like they're against you, they're not, they're for you. But it's a lot easier intellectually than in practice. And I think that's what's been so cool about us doing this dance together is like we can give each other space to be paranoid or be a victim. But ultimately, I've gotten to the place where... I can at least, when I see something going on with you, have the distance of feeling like, oh no, this is cool. Like Sean's upset right now. He's a victim yeah. right now, but like it's temporary. It's a temporary state of being. Right. It's not his truth. And because that, when I start investing in the idea of your truth being one of like something's happening to you, and then we both get in that circle, but it's not very, it's not very compassionate sometimes. And that's the dance that I have to do yeah. in life with you in particular is yeah. like, if you think something's, if you're having a moment or if I'm having a moment, even though I know, oh, this isn't even that bad. If I act like that to you, that's being so uncompassionate. Yeah, mm-hmm. but th- th- you do, you hold incredible space in that way, I feel like, because of the two of us, I'm the one that gets the, the bouts with paranoia. But I think it's also why I'm so good at pronoia. Because right. you go deep into that realm and you're like, this motherfucker's doing this and that. And then this fucking person did that. And my dad said this. And you start you start building that narrative and it quickly, it, you hold the space. You let me do it. You let me do the dance. You'll listen to me. But you, you definitely, you dig your heels in, not in a, in a harsh, cold, uncompassionate way. You dig your heels in and like, Shawnee, I'm going to listen to you, but like, I'm not going to join you in that story. Well, and I then can't. it's usually pretty soon after that that I realize, like, oh, this is for me. I yeah. needed this. Yeah, well, I can't help but, like, give you the evidence maybe at not the best times. Be like, this is why this is good, and this is why this is good, and this is why it's good, mm-hmm. and this is why it's good. And, you know, yeah. sometimes you don't necessarily want to hear all those things. It's just it, it's as much as you try, and sometimes it does work. You just really can't impart anything on anybody. They right. just have to know for themselves. Like, part of this big family intervention we had the other morning like I, and like we just wake up here our first morning here and my mom's texting me like come upstairs and th- that megan's coming over my sister and she sits us down and brings my dad out and like basically has to confront him about some of his behaviors with with drugs with basically self-medicating and like uh trying to deal with anxiety and depression in that way and 
um, in, in those moments, it's really, it's hard for me to not get mad. It's hard for me to not get mad at him and like want to like shame him out of whatever he's doing to like upset the order here. Mm. But I have learned to kind of slow down a little bit. I think you saw, I think I did pretty good. You during, did so good. I'm so proud of you. Yeah. I, I try to say some things that will, will stick because my mom and Megan have, um, have uh, my sister Megan, who's who's a brilliant social worker and just an amazing mind and a great mother, and she's just awesome. Um, her and my mom are like they they have their faith in doctors and institutions, and they're they're like we need to call the doctor. You haven't been taking your your SSRIs. You're 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 trying to score Xanax from from some guy at the gas station, like. You know, this is this is becoming a mess. They they want to like talk to therapists and talk to doctors and and this and that. So they're holding space in that, and I'm kind of doing this other thing, <laughs> where I'm like, Dad is is having um, a spiritual crisis. He's disconnected from spirit, and we need to hold space for him to come back. We need to soften ourselves for him to come back to love. And I know that's that sounds really like woo woo okay whatever like what are we doing today though mm -hmm. but it but it really is that that's the goal that's the goal is you know it, what what is healing it's it's repairing your inner environment so you can experience love so you can show up for the present moment so you can laugh so you can experience joy to me that's what healing is it's it's repairing the inner environment and working towards that. So as much as it hit us out of nowhere that there was even problems like that going on up here because we haven't been in this house in so long, I definitely walked away from it like, okay, this is, this is, a, this is a little bit of a wake-up call. Like, I need to practice what I'm preaching because what I'm preaching to my mom and Megan is like, we need to change. We're not necessarily going to be able to do anything for dad. We've been trying to do that for 40 years. Right. We need to change. It's not our fault. Yeah, then I can't. I'm like, I get like stuck. I'm like, wait, because cause it, it's one of those, I, one of the things that's like helped me is like the, 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 the lens of pronoia is like helps me with myself. It helps me with other people. It's helped me not try to change people. It's helped me accept people and where they at, are at at their journey. But then it's also like, I'm so in this place and have been for such a long time that I dance with where I feel responsible for everything yeah. that's happening in anyone else's life. If I'm really like in relationship with them, yeah. your shame and blame gets activated. Yeah. But it's always self like I'm not a shame and blamer outside of myself. It's like a very yeah. pointed inwards and it's like, this is daughter of an alcoholic. <laughs> this, this is what happens. I mean, yeah. this, these are patterns. They're patterns that just play out over generations. And, and what it is, is it's pain. And who knows how far back it goes. This is what I was trying to say to my dad. I'm like, man, there's nothing to blame you for. I feel bad for you. Your, your mom, your parents couldn't show you how to feel safe and loved in this world. And it's not their fault. Who knows what happened to them? And who knows what happened to them? Yeah. Pain will move through families, will move through communities, will move through friendships until someone's ready to feel it. It'll go on for generations. What do you think we're experiencing collectively? Mm -hmm. But it's here for us. And to me, like the most shining example of that, and this is what, what I, was, I was bringing up to my dad because like he, he starts going to like, oh, excuses. Like he just doesn't want anyone to think anything bad about him and he has all these excuses and Caitlin's having seizures and this and that. But you heard me. I had to just start screaming. They're here to wake you up. The seizures are here to wake you up. And I used to not think that. I used to be in victim consciousness about what my family has had to go through. We're in Aaron's room, my sister who died. This was her room, you know? She died when she was 15. She would have been 30 next week. That pain hasn't been fully experienced yet by my family. Who knows how we're passing that on? Mm. But it's here for us. Aaron came here to wake us up and she left here to wake us up and it was abrupt and it sucked and same thing with these seizures and who knows if one of them is going to take Caitlin out one of these days that's a crazy crazy thing to contend with on the day to day 
And if I had to do it, and I told my dad this, I'd be self-medicating as well. I wouldn't be looking to pharmaceuticals. I've never done that. That's not where I, I turn to. It's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cannabis. However. Cut a deal with a plant. That's what I told him. Yeah. I said, you think ayahuasca is fun? Do you think I'm taking ayahuasca to get high? <laughs> like, are you kidding me? It's fucking terrifying. It's a one-way ticket into the fucking shadow realm. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. And, you know, I, I do that to learn about myself. I, I do that to learn what's, what's running the show. What's down there actually running the show? Yeah, with, with your, your thoughts. I mean, that's the other day when you, we were having a, a moment. You were just like, you know, I just needed to, like, those were, you were having a, pr- a paranoid moment. And then, you know, we kind of went through it. And then on, on the end of it, you were like, those are just thoughts. Like, I just need to move that energy out. And yeah. I think that we've become more responsible about that like that's i think that's the work is like humans in part is to like become responsible for taking out your own garbage yeah like i'm sorry this is my bad trip right now like i know you're around for it but it has nothing to do with you even if i'm trying to lay it on you right you know because that's the thing we all do yeah like oh i feel like shit i want to pull other people into this yeah oh my god well that's been like the best thing about my relationship with you is because when i've been stressed i've wanted to pull you into my stress or share like oh this is we got to worry about this and got to worry about this but you get so much more stressed and worried than I could even I don't even have the capacity to freak out about life the way you can freak out about life I mean look what I grew up around um you haven't you so you have a capacity to you've experienced darkness in your life and and trauma in your life that I've never even come close to so when I start taking my little stress and exporting it on you and when you join me in the depth your hell is like way down here yeah and I like it's been such a sacred mirror because I think a lot of people are so protective of their own pain and anxiety and you need a partner who can hold you and love you when you're crying and like yeah that's true and yeah you do that for me but I think people want their I've come to understand that I think a lot of people want their stress coddled and their anxiety coddled. And that just, thankfully, I appreciate that that hasn't been our path. Because because you're such a miserable person to be around when you're stressed, I've had to be like, oh my God, I'm not even going to bother Sean with this small anxiety because if I say this little, if I start just planting this little seed of like, let's be worried, let's let's stress about this, or what if this happens, what if this happens, you turn it into a mountain oh yeah and i'm like this sucks so much worse than if i just self-processed my own garbage yeah you know what i mean so it's like there was a time where i was like well if sean could just deal with my stress better then we would have a good happy relationship and then i was like or i could just deal with my own stress better (laughs) yeah 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 as much as uh i've tried to lay that trip on you like here's what you need to do for me to be more comfortable around here it it's never true Mm. It's never true. And in a sense, we do coddle each other. It's just oh, a yeah. little different. Yeah. It's just a little, it, it, it's different. I mean, I have the utmost compassion for you and you have the utmost compassion for me. It might not always be displayed if we're in the heat of a moment and we're playing tug of war a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's but, that's not always fun, but I mean, you it's being, really useful ways to move energy. I mean, you being stressed at me being stressed is you being compassionate. You going into the depths of hell with me is you being compassionate. You're like, you say this is serious and this is something worth stressing about. Like, I'll join you in this stress, you know? Like, that is you going there with me. Just, I don't like it. I know. You don't like it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. It's tough. It's it's really tough to navigate all this stuff. Because the other thing is, like, we're, like, out there going into the world again for the first time. Mm-hmm. and we're, we're getting around people who also haven't been around people in a long time or or conflicts in a long time or other kinds of energies. So it's kind of like figuring out how to walk again a little bit. I know I came into this house like very sensitive, very protective of my boundaries the first day or so, and then it, it kind of starts to melt away as you let go yeah that's the thing about hanging out with people that probably aren't being 
as cautious is because it's really hard to maintain physical boundaries when you start sharing space with someone. Yeah. Um, that's the thing about being in New York City. Like, I love it, and we're going to continue to be there. But, damn, I like, for so long, I was so not confident. Like, every time we came up here, I was, like, on high anxiety. Yeah. When I we know. were visiting Josh, I was on high anxiety because I was like, dude, you've been home for however long, and I'm, like, living... I can't even leave our apartment without, like, being in a stairwell or an elevator or whatever in a confined space with other people. Yeah. Um, no, it so. was, it was uh, picking, going out and doing that, the podcast with Josh. I th- what was that episode? Like, 196 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Check it out. It's really good. That was a wake-up call for me. As I, I'm like, this motherfucker's been taking this seriously. And his community's at risk. And like he said in the podcast, he knows six people that have died. And they know six people have died. So it's 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 bigger than we think, and just seeing how he navigated that, and that like he was being really good about um, the social distancing with us, and and wearing masks and not hugs and handshakes and personal J's, the whole thing. Yeah. Then literally cut to what four days later, we have another friend who I'm not going to mention their name, but we could talk about this. If it's going to make you uncomfortable, I won't even go there because I could already okay. see your body language changes like, oh. Well, I mean, that was just a, that was just a stressful hangout. I'm, of course, I'm going to like tighten up thinking yeah. about it. Well, you know? but let's move through it. Okay. Let's, let's process what that was because okay. uh, we definitely tried to claim a little victimhood over that. Oh, my like, God. We had five days of victimhood over that. I don't think of it as five days of victimhood as much as it was five days of integration. Okay. But let's talk about what this was. Okay. We put out a podcast called Let It Burn after the Minneapolis, the George Floyd murder. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we basically just put our radical politics on display. And trust me, that's the tip of the iceberg. We don't even fully get into it on this podcast, how radicalized we are. Um, And we had a friend who had been on the podcast a couple times call us up after we put that out. And she starts going on and on about cabals and conspiracy theories and you know, the, the mantra of, I can't breathe. Like she's saying all this stuff on the phone, like how the mantra of, I can't breathe is like, it's, it's cursed. And, and just like, just this stuff that I was like, Whoa, I haven't really heard opinions like this. And it was early on in all this. So she's like, yeah, I want to hang out with you guys. I want to hang out with you guys. And mind you, we've done podcasts with her before. They were great. They were awesome. We thought it was cool. Uh, so we're like, all right, we'll, we'll come pick you up. She lives in the city. We'll come pick you up. And we'll go over and we'll do a podcast back at the house. Like we'll come, we'll, we'll have a day together, yeah. you know, we'll hang out. Mm-hmm. So we go to pick this person up. We get there. She comes outside. She's not wearing a mask and we are. And she's like, oh, what are you guys going to be wearing masks? And we're like, I, I guess not. And I'm just thinking like, no, let's just play it cool. She obviously has been quarantined. Maybe she knows she doesn't have it or whatever. So we, we take off our masks and we start driving from uh, Manhattan back over to Greenpoint on that car ride, which was, what, 15, 20 minutes? Mm-hmm. Just a racist purge like I've never really bared witness to before. Because mm-hmm. I think people usually are a little bit more reserved. For, is the word couth? Yeah, that was very uncouth. Yeah. <laughs> but just let it out. And has all these intellectual gymnastics and spiritual bypass mechanisms to justify why George Floyd was killed. Or as she said, why black people are more racist than any white person she's ever met. Or and it goes on. Black lives matter has no message and they're all a bunch of idiots. Yeah. And they don't know their shit. Like this went on as if she does this went on for what? Five or six hours, mm-hmm. five or six hours of us just sitting there listening to a person explode with anger and rage and it was disturbing it was really disturbing like i didn't know what to do you you know how i am like it, normally i'd be the person that you'd be trying to calm down in that situation because oh, i yeah. start, I, I kind you're of the was the first person to fucking engage or to call someone out or or like you're always the first person to like call bullshit on people and but I think that you just like she was in our apartment, and I mean, I, I and I was just trying to carry the weight of just being like, you did. This is the fucking most fucking stupidest shit I've ever heard. Um, 
That George Floyd was on meth? Well, that it was a conspiracy that he made a deal for for black lives. Like, yeah, just no, like, stop. Yeah, yeah like, the, the, the concept that she was trying to drill into our heads was, like, he cut a deal. He's part of a cabal. It's like these, the, uh, um, there's this, what I'm seeing is that people within the far out healing community have, like, touched how, how we don't know what's going on. We, we know that, like, our reality is kind of permeable and bizarre, more bizarre mm. than we could ever imagine. But to take that at your convenience yeah, and apply it to real world things that are, are happening and say like that everything is conspiracy. Um, I guess what I'm seeing is that people are having a hard time in this moment acknowledging the collective trauma, mm-hmm. especially if they're trauma workers. You know what I mean? I don't I don't know. Oh, yeah. And I, I also she had a big shadow talking about how things are going to get really bad and it's really bad. And, and that's where I think this, this pro-noid ex, um, perspective is just so powerful and important, especially in times of collective unrest and change is, is like change isn't bad. Change is good. People standing up isn't bad. It's good. Mm. You know, expression and saying black lives matter is a good thing. Yeah. It's, acknowledging that we care about each other is a good thing wearing masks is a good thing like any effort to say your life is important to me your humanity is important to me your sense of peace and well-being and health is important to me like this is all good stuff you know but to to yeah but what's their angle on it where do i fit in you know like they they had this this secret little esoteric knowledge in in the old world and now the new world like it kind of doesn't apply and it makes them uncomfortable because they can't promote themselves as easily well yeah she and, she had this idea that that like healers the the spiritual community is like responsible for like making everything right and i was like dude y'all are The least qualified people I can imagine for this moment have been our our quote unquote spiritual friends. Jesus, yeah. Uh, And and uh, this was just the shining example of that. I mean, and this went on for hours, and she kept saying like, "Oh wait, like let me let me let's put this on the podcast. Let's let's get the recording out. You know, like let's get this recording going." And, and like, you and I are kind of like, uh, I don't know, we kind of lost energy for this. Like, I'm not looking to have uh, that kind of, I'm just not looking to fucking blast out that level of bullshit. Well, I had a lot of shame following it because I so badly want to, like, help her see a different perspective that doesn't carry so much hate and anger. Like, I feel that as a responsibility. Like. Mm-hmm. You got to like get your own, you know, like if white women are acting a fool and I'm a white woman, like it's my responsibility to check them. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And, and if, if some, and so it's like, I feel complicit if I don't, I mean, I, I, I it's not like I didn't express myself. It's not like we didn't argue. It's not like I didn't no, tell her yeah, her she, ideas were fucking stupid as fuck. No, I know. You but, guys got into but it. But like when you know that you didn't change someone's mind, it's so heart wrenching and heartbreaking that someone is going through the world thinking that belie- believing in white supremacy. Yeah. That, that's just like that. That that's kind of like is the thing that hurts my heart is like the ugliness that comes with people thinking they're better than other people because. Yeah of the color of their skin or because their uh, ancestors colonized or because their fucking face is on a mountain. Yeah. You know, it's like this great um, myth, you know, that's yeah. been perpetu- perpetuated. And um, yeah, you just want to, you want to help. You want to be a helpful person, you know? Well, I, I And I was trying to do that by not like, like I was like, let me try something different here. Like, I'm not going to be too rooted in my ideology and just listen and kind of just react in as soft a way as I could. And I think she was hearing she was hearing me more than she could hear you because you guys were just having a traditional argument a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to, like, bring it into places that maybe we could we could work together. But it definitely I could see she's she's suffering. She she feels to blame for all this. She feels like people are blaming me. But I. I'm I'm a white woman. It was very convenient. She was a white woman when she got to be a victim. 
and she was not white and Jewish when she gets to be a victim in that realm. So it's it, it was very funny dance she was doing all day. And all I said, and this sent her over the top, I said, divest in your whiteness. Said, what the fuck does that mean? I said, you know how you feel awful right now about everything that's going on and like responsible and like all this guilt is flying around and like you need to stand up for white people. Why don't you divest in it? Why don't you divest in your whiteness, Mm -hmm. you know, and take a look at it from as objective a place as you probably can in your heart by divesting from it. Mm -hmm. And that that's uh, definitely center into a spiral. Um, But it's all about what you identify with. If you want to identify as as a white person and you want to take on all of that history and all that nonsense and. And if you want to fucking and justify it and yeah. rationalize it and that, that's, yeah. I mean, that's, if I were to say what I'm seeing most, that's most alarming is our tendency to rationalize. Like mm-hmm. when someone gets shot and murdered by the police, we rationalize it. And yeah. because we're rationalizing these horrible things that happen, we always end up rationalizing. It was their fault. You know, they shouldn't have done this. They shouldn't have done that. Yeah. And it's like also that's kind of a spiritual thing because like it, it kind of goes in line with like, oh, no one's a victim. So if no one's a victim, then it rationalizes. Oh, he got murdered. It was in his destiny. That was his he made that agreement in his life. And it's like there is more nuance to everything. Yeah. And it's not so black and white. And and it's a, incumbent upon us to like wake up to what's going on and and create a better reality for everyone who lives here so that people can feel safe and right now we have emboldened people emboldened white people thinking that um they're being oppressed and it's really ridiculous and stupid but so why does that happen why does it happen yeah um how how could a white person honestly i don't put myself in positions where i'm that close with emboldened racists so like i feel like i'm a little naive i just like want to trust that it's that it's for somehow they it's out of fear and I i think that's what it is and fear of losing who they are their identity their pride their you know but at the same time i'm just like it's sad i'm sad for people yeah yeah and but i want to like i want to i think this time is like so clear that everyone wants to help you know like wants to make this a better world doesn't want to just post black lives matter wants to make sure that it's in alignment with how you behave and how you act and what you do and yeah what you fight for you know so i feel like I would love some more guidance on how to do that. You know, like I, like I, like after that was the problem with hanging with our friend is that I felt like so useless and impotent. I was like, I did not help that at all. Like mm-hmm. she has you every, might have made it worse. <laughs> she has every rationalization and justification for why she thinks the way she thinks. And it has to do with her family history and the, you know, there's her trauma is like, yeah um that it's it's all connected but you want to like how do we help i I think well i think it speaks to a a bigger issue in this country that we've just seen play out time after time as things have gotten worse as we've gone further into the death rattle of capitalism people can't they don't have any sense of what their future could be they don't have anything to hang their hat on they don't have any kind of foundational sense of who they are and what their place is in the world. Mm. And it's not their fault. But when you end up in that situation, I think a lot of people end up clinging to the past mm-hmm. and they start searching around in history for when, for when they were powerful. Mm-hmm. And you want to, you want to be, you want to be like those people who were fighting a war, who were powerful, who were killing people over their beliefs, mm-hmm. you know, but we're just so disempowered. We, we've become nothing but fucking just, consumers and it's hard to picture this brighter future that we're trying to get everyone to step into when you've never had any sense of that you've never had any example of where you would fit into that or how that would help you in fact you've seen the opposite Mm -hmm. i understand why people start to try to cling to heritage and this kind of thing because they don't have a future it's Mm -hmm. as simple as that and 
then what what happens and i think our education system has a lot to do with this and the media has a lot to do with this is we get a fucked up sense of freedom like we love talking about freedom in this country we're the freest country in the fucking world well what 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 are are you talking about when you're talking about freedom to me it seems like most people that are out there with their eagles and their flags and talking touting freedom this and that to me those people are talking about a freedom to not give a fuck right to not give a fuck about anyone else anything else Mm -hmm. that they're there for to get theirs Mm -hmm. and it's beyond survival they're there to get theirs in excess yeah and that's what freedom is Mm -hmm. the the freedom to consume excessively the freedom to judge excessively the freedom to double triple quadruple down on your individuality can i can i just tell my mom to step in the other room for a second Can you guys step in the other room? We're doing a recording. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I think we have a fucked up sense of what freedom is. And that's the thing that we're that America's supposed to represent. Freedom. The mm-hmm. most militarized. Yeah, it's freedom to not give a fuck. Yeah. It's like when Melania wore that jacket. Like, I don't care, do you? Yeah. You know? Yes, that's that's the kind of freedom we love here. Uh-huh. You know, not the freedom that comes from a thing that we know about, that freedom of from a sense of cooperation and a sense of connectedness. Mhm. That's the thing. When you when when it's that kind of freedom, it's it's all inclusive. Every everybody's in on that. And that's threatening to people who just want it for their own. Right. Uh, you know, it, it's a shame we get hypnotized and uh, we, we start to believe in things that are against our own interest. Mm-hmm. And it's all coping mechanisms because it's hard to be a human. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's really hard. All the stuff we're talking about, that's these, this, like, this, this tough shit to fucking navigate. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I'm not even sure how to do it. That's why we do this podcast. Just like kind of figure out where we're at. Yeah. <laughs> a little yeah. who we are today. I don't know. Yeah. Like, and also be comfortable with not having the answers. Like I, I try not. And that's where I felt like I got trapped after that hang is because I was like, she's wrong. I'm right. She's what, yeah. wrong. It's so obvious she's wrong. And I was just like, I have to not only divest from my whiteness divest from the idea that other people are wrong but divest from your rightness my yeah my righteousness <laughs> you know because it doesn't feel good to be it doesn't really feel good to be right it it feels i feel like sick you know it makes me feel sick because when i'm right and everyone else is wrong i'm in a very unsafe environment mm-hmm. you know yeah I'm like yeah, totally. everyone's scary and sucky and yeah the worst yeah and um righteousness is a really really tricky lens to see the world through you know right I mean, that that's what our friend was doing that that day with that rage that racist outburst oh yeah she hadn't had anyone to lay her bullshit on in so long and here we were good listeners you know we're we're friends and everything and she's like let me tell you guys what's up and it was just uh it, she was just overdosing on righteousness i i i pray i i don't think it was as it was it was not so combative that we couldn't hear each other i don't think we maybe took anything away from each other but um i prayed for that like i prayed to have a conversation with someone who i had opposing views from and to like be able to swim in that territory where we could talk and try to hear each other and try to like get to new ground and understand. And it was ended up being more depressing than I ever could have imagined because I thought it would be like with someone who voted for Trump or someone, you know what I mean? Not someone because so close th- to home. You thought you were going to be able to convince them something. Yeah. So you were attached to righteousness, yeah. whether you know it or not. Yeah. yeah. And even still, then I, I talked to someone who is, you know, a spiritual guru type and and realize, oh, there's no way to convince someone like this and that actually this the racism is i know it's super insidious i know that it's i have it you know what i mean i know that but oh man it was kind of 
Anyway, talk. I mean, talking about everything, like like you mentioned, we talked about the I can't breathe thing, and I and I've seen this, and I and I understand what people are saying, but I think to and as if it's um saying going around saying I can't breathe is like this horrible mantra. She's like, what a terrible mantra. And I understand, like from a spiritual perspective, why people are saying that, but I also think personally, like I'm gonna only talk personally. Obviously, what my take on that is is. One, I don't think you should tell groups of people what their mantras should or shouldn't be. Especially uh, historically marginalized groups of people. And it's or, like, take a step back, homie. Or pray against it. And I think, if anything, I can't breathe is a collective call saying, like, if someone can't breathe, I can't breathe. We're in mm. this together. I, and, when, and when someone can't breathe, what do you need to do? You need to release. You need to give them air. You need to give them space. And so while it is maybe an not the most positive thing to say the point is not to always be positive it's to go through the darkness it's to acknowledge the pain that's being caused right now Mm -hmm. and and alleviate it and help so that you don't have your brothers and sisters saying i can't breathe don't shoot it's a desperate cry and it's it's just it's so white of us to say no you should say something different well, what would you say if you literally couldn't breathe? Mm-hmm. What would you say besides I can't breathe? Wouldn't that be the first first thing you'd say? Oh, yeah. And I love how... I s- can't breathe. You wouldn't be sitting there with your oxygen cut off saying, how do I say this get better, this so- across in yeah. a way that's not um, a negative mantra? Like, shut the fuck up. Oh, yeah. When people say like to say, defund the police, that's just a horrible way of putting it. You need to put it in a way that's more appealing. I'm like, redistribute the wealth. And she's like, well, no, that's like horrible. That either, and I'm no. like, you don't like anything. Stop looking at ways to criticize movements. Like, yeah. that's like, why are you looking for evidence to criticize uh, the most powerful and popular movement in human history? Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, um, well, it says a lot about our fear, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, that that's like when, when people are scared. And I remember we were, <laughs> we were with someone. And he was like, a real bad storm's coming. I really think something really bad's going to happen. And, and another woman said to him, well, maybe maybe that's your personal storm. Yeah. Maybe it's not Man, all that of moment, our storms. That moment kind of rocked us a little bit. Cause because she was so we bold. Were, well, and we were yeah. also buying into what this person was saying. Yeah. Because they were um, trying to present themselves as a mystical being, mm-hmm. and, which I think we all are. Yeah. But they, they were presenting themselves as if they were very tapped into something. And their message was like, um, darkness, darkness. It, it's crazy. It's coming, and, and we're yeah. all sitting there like, oh, really? Like kind of buying into it. And then this girl was just like, you know, maybe the dark is in your eyes. Yeah. Like Grateful Dead. Yeah. Maybe the darkness is from your eyes. Yeah. I mean, and I think that's another freeing moment. One of those like titular freeing moments where you're like, no one knows what the fuck is going on. That's great. And no one is smarter than you, better than you all. I mean, like, yeah, people are smarter than me. I'll definitely say that. Yeah. Um, but no one spiritually can ha- is perfect. Yeah. And balanced and can tell you what's up. And, and that what's so beautiful Especially is- Especially us. Is, yeah, especially <laughs> us. That's what's so beautiful is like you hear out of my mouth or out of Sean's mouth or out of anyone we've had on the podcast- what resonates with you and you know what's truth and mm-hmm. that's why we can get on here and spew whatever because i trust that whoever's listening will resonate with the stuff that is already true to them the stuff that they already know yeah and when and so the idea is that i think it when you put someone in a pedestal though that they can say whatever to you and and you really believe it and you buy on it buy into it without questioning that's where you're the fool yeah, yeah, and that that's kind of like what we've become in life and with America is like we're fools like we've yeah. bought into this fucking uh, American imperialism and American exceptionalism like we're fools like we bought into this yeah this idea and we let them tell us all this stuff but like we need to critically think yeah and see what's going on in a way that allows us to um you know not not fall victim because if if someone is has no power over if you give someone no power over that you then it puts you in a more empowered position. Mm, yeah, I mean we're, we're all architects. We're we're all trying to be architects of our future. Yeah, and we got to just figure out the ways to do that 
the best, how to serve each other the best. To me, to me, it's an impressive thing when collectively we start to step outside of our individual egos and look out for each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, um, you know, you, you hear some, some, um, right-wing contrarians being like oh you know this black lives matter movement it's mostly white people wow that's pretty fucking impressive yeah that's pretty impressive and we'll we'll uh we'll label those people all kinds of things to make ourselves feel better about not doing shit ourselves. they're social justice warriors they're virtue signaling they're doing this or that or whatever bring it on more labels what you're talking about is me stepping outside of my own needs to look out for my brothers and sisters here. You want to label me? I'll take those labels. Am I a social justice warrior? Sure. Am I a virtue signal? Sure. Sure. Okay, cool. What else you got? Mm-hmm. Am I a snowflake? Yeah, sure, yeah. I'm a sensitive person. And yeah. so is the person calling me that. Yeah. You know, they're just trying to pretend to be a different thing. Well, this this fear around Black Lives Matter, I, like I think I've been not caught off guard a little bit, like how that is such a threatening um, thing to people, like saying Black Lives Matter, that not only can they not say it, but they're going around ripping signs and painting over stuff. And because yeah. and as white people, it, it's so revealing that when they see like white lives matter means to them, other lives don't matter. Because if you didn't think that, you wouldn't be threatened by Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter only is threatening if you yourself have are invested in your whiteness, invested in your whiteness, and invested in white people being more powerful than yeah. black people. Because I I don't think black people are saying we should be more powerful. But no. fuck, if they were, I'd be behind it too. Uh, well, that, I mean that, that that's where we start to get into like a much more interesting conversation to me than like like smash capitalism. Awesome, cool. Y- y'all know I'm there for that. I'm here for it, but we got to take it a step further. Nice hit. Isn't it? Isn't it nice with the um the crushed ice in there? <laughs> oh, babe, you're gonna be fucking ripped. <laughs> it still needs more ice. I know. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh. Well, at least I had my words about me for a few minutes. Now I'm about to be fucking fly. Well, yeah, like who cares? Who cares? We're just hanging out. We're up at my parents' house. But basically what I was trying to just say was like smash capitalism, great. Smash all forms of hierarchy mm. wherever you see them. And that, that's a much bigger job. Oh, I Capitalism is, is in its death rattle. It's going. We're going to have to push it over the edge. We're going to have to put a pillow over its face and put it out of, out of its misery. But it's been on life support in the hospital for fucking decades. And it's just time to do it. Um, but this other thing. Well, it, it, yeah, it's, it's, hard. It's, it's hard to smash class without revolution. What I've, I've, it's, I've, it doesn't happen. I've, that is revolution. Yeah, I've smashed class in my own heart. I was thinking about this on our last acid trip. I was like, A few days ago. A few days ago. <laughs> Because you you always say like and and what I know is to be true is that people are showing the world what kind of love that they need, you know, yeah. um, and they get they usually are gonna get the love that they need and sometimes with people who accrue material wealth like the Warren Buffett he needs to show people that he's the best at playing the game you yeah. know yeah and he can collect all these ducats and whatnot mm-hmm. and it just like started making me feel sad because I was like that's so sad I like know. the people with the most money like I like. I feel bad for them. You know yeah. what I mean? I think, and we don't necessarily like, we can, I think we, class structure needs to change, but if we can just become more compassionate towards everyone, wherever they're at within oh, yeah. the spectrum. And, totally. And how Donald dis- Trump had such a fucked up upbringing that he felt the need to become president. Right. A, a, a billionaire needed to be president. Mm-hmm. Like God, where does it end? Yeah. The feeding that ego. I'm so yeah, I agree. I'm I'm I I feel bad for them. But I don't think that's going to stop me from being first to sharpen up the guillotines. Like this shit's got to go. It's 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 happening. It's happening and and we're a part of it and I think we're talking about um some of the symptoms of clinging that we see out there. And good Lord, are we guilty of those things ourselves? Yeah. I mean, this is where, like, when I say, like, it's all a game and I want to be better at playing the game, like, 
violence begets more violence. Like, I don't, I want to, like, fucking hypnotize into the better reality. Like, I want to fucking judo this shit. I want to judo a friend who's racist into, like, you know, remember how we saw this thing about how in Israel, in one district or whatever it's called, they were putting out these ads, these commercials that were like, you know, Israeli soldiers are so strong, they can kill people, they show their dominance, like, they were just so on point about Israeli exceptionalism and how, you know, their soldiers are out there fighting and killing people, and when they put these, like, I don't know if they're honest ads, but direct ads, the support for the government went down in those places. Yeah. Like, there's a way to share and disseminate information that's so seductive and or not even seductive that's not the right word in that example but what that ad agency was doing um because i I know the story you're talking about you 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 coffee breezed over that real quick i don't even know if that will make sense but what what they what they were doing um i tried the other day on facebook you basic basically like okay i'm dealing with extreme right-wing ideology let's let's bring a comically further right perspective to it Mm -hmm. so i see this i see a a guy posting about um and it's someone i know Mm -hmm. posting posting like a picture of nancy pelosi giving uh george floyd's brother and mother a folded up flag Mm -hmm. and he's like do you believe this shit you know and and then uh, um i'm like I, I, I like engage like well what's what's the problem here but like 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 the guy lost his life like like I don't know like what what's the problem with this gesture and he's like he was a criminal he was on meth like all all, all the stuff all that stuff starts coming out and then I'm like you know what I'm gonna do here I'm just gonna double down on what he's saying mm-hmm. so I started just in the comment section it was all racist saying like fuck this fuck that and I just started re- replying to them all like fuck that fuck george floyd man a guy none of us knew deserved to die because he's done drugs and fuck him and fuck him for calling out his dead mother and then these these people who were vile in their posts are seeing how vile i'm being and they were recoiling and the guy ends up writing me a message personally of course not in the comments oh i didn't even you didn't tell me this yet. yeah yeah just basically saying like, hey, man, just so you know, like, I think you and I agree. I was just pointing out this and that, you know. So it was almost like, it, like, kind of what happens what we were saying at the beginning of this podcast when we have an argument, like, not an argument, or, or like when you're, you're like having anxiety about something and I'm like trying to pull you out of it. And then you end up pulling me into it and, and it's way crazy. And then I have to pull you out because basically, yeah, you're not going to pull me out. So I have to pull yeah, both of us that's out. That's basically what happened with this guy. Yeah. He was like, fuck George Floyd. He did drugs, and I was like, oh, yeah, not only fuck him, but when are we going to give those fucking guys that took him off the streets a raise? And then, you know, people are like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> and then he ends up DMing me. You know, What was the gist like, of his DM? Being like, I, I know we agree, you know, cops are fucked up, you know, this and that whatever and i just i didn't i didn't reply but it, i don't know well the funny thing about that is like this folded up flag goes to these guys who serve the country and yes god damn i mean people who it is a selfless act to go give your time and energy towards the this idea of protecting your loved ones and your uh, country and stuff. not okay. really it's okay. usually people that um wouldn't be able to go to college otherwise yeah no i i know they prey upon uh, those who have no other opportunities, but I will just say, like, it's kind of a joke. They go out there and play, are part of these stupid wars yeah. where they kill innocent people, yeah. and it's like, and we celebrate it. Mm, you no. know what I mean? It, it they just, are cops. It just brings everything. To they the are surface. cops. I, I know that is probably the least popular thing that you could say, but the military is our cops. It's the same thing we're protesting here. We're exporting it. Yeah. And it's way uglier over there. It's way uglier anywhere mm-hmm. else we're doing it than mm-hmm. it is here. They're cops. Yeah, I want to talk about no accountability. Yeah. And and not only not only are they cops, but you're a motherfucking cop. And that's where abolition starts. Yeah. Inside. Kill the cop in your head. I know. 
kill that little bitch snitch in your head. Kill the little fucking tattletale and stop with the bullshit and start to figure out what real accountability is. That's the thing. When we have a little person we can call and they're going to come save the day, what what kind of accountability are we even really talking about? Mm -hmm. How could people even develop the skills that we need to diffuse and de-escalate things? Yeah, like calling the cops is like calling a gun. Yeah, that's what you're doing. And it's like pulling out a gun. You don't know for certain that you're not going to end up shooting yourself because you're a fucking idiot. Yeah. We had a friend who was right there with all the Black Lives Matter, abolish police, this and that. And the second that that tide went down a little bit, she couldn't wait to get a victimhood story out there about how she's a victim and she called the cops on somebody. And not even seeing how that's problematic in this culture, in this time, you know? Put put your fucking money where your mouth is. If you're going to talk the talk, walk the walk. Well, it's worth it. Yeah. It's worth it. I'm you like, become a beautiful human being. You step your game up. I just... You don't like talking about no, it. No, I feel like you're calling it in. Like, you're about... Like, you know what I mean? Like, when you I'm call I'm calling this- it in because I want to hold myself accountable. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm doing. Yeah, I you know. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Well, I can... When I look at somebody who's online saying, I called the cops on this person last night because they said this and they said that to me. Didn't do anything. Said this, said that. And I called the cops on them and, you're, and, you're, and everyone's like, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm like, hey, uh, wow, I've never seen such a sh- fucking shining example of uh, bullshit. Mm. compared to what this person was trying to echo in the weeks before. And well, all I'm saying is by me knowing that and by, by that judgment coming out in my heart, mm-hmm. I, um, that's recognizing that same person in me. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. But I'll tell you what, I've never called the cops on anyone. I've never called the cops. That's, that's what being in on this movement for 20 years will do to you. I've never called the cops on anyone. And you should have seen how this motherfucker, my dad, would act around here. Mm-hmm. That'd be the first thing people would do. It was the last thing we would do because we don't want to see him behind bars. He's already suffering. He's already suffering. You know, that's what you got to realize, especially in those tough moments when they're exporting their suffering mm-hmm. and they're making it about you and they're on and, and they're all over you and they're on top of you. And yeah, maybe they are even threatening your physical safety in those moments to have the restraint Mm. to 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 mellow out to try to to try to bring your compassion online and apply it right then and there say this person's already in prison mm-hmm. you know what i, I want to physically send them there i want to be the one to do that i want to be the one to do that i'll never forget when my fucking apartment got robbed remember i told i've told you about this before we met mm-hmm. i had a first floor apartment on north 7th and driggs in williamsburg and for some reason, there was no bars on the windows. I'd never thought about it. Like two years into living there. This time, it was I think it was July 4th. I'm sleeping in my room. And someone just cut a hole in our screen, crawled in. And they took um, my Nintendo Wii and the controllers and all the games. Uh, they came back and they came in my room while I was sleeping. And they mm-hmm. took my wallet and my cell phone and, and some cash that I had sitting there. And they also took my camcorder with all the videos I had taken till I was like 26, 27 years old whenever this happened. So, you know, we tell our landlord, if someone crawled in and stole some shit last night, the landlord calls the cops, the cops come over, they they look at it, whatever. They just like, they obviously don't give a fuck. They're like, okay, whatever, something happened here, see you later. Somehow they end up catching the guy the next day. The way they caught him was he got caught in the act doing something else and he had my credit card. Mm-hmm. so they knew it was him and they come to me and they're like hey believe it or not we might have solved the crime here um you know let's talk about pressing charges this and that and the other thing and i said not me i'm not signing anything i'm not saying anything against it, it was a 16 year old black kid what am i gonna do i'm gonna be part of the part of the reason that he's probably still institutionalized yeah or can i show those cops in that moment like it's no big deal He's going through a rough go. I think he was addicted to crack. He's going through a rough go. All right. He stole some of my shit. I'll never see it again. I'll never see those videos again. 
you know, that was some good shit. Yeah. But it really was a lesson in letting go. I didn't even have my shit together back then spiritually. I just knew in my heart when they came to me all excited, like we're going to get to lock somebody up that I didn't want anything to do with that, that karma. Fuck that. Yeah, well, it was probably your karma to get robbed in the first place because you had stolen some shit. I had stolen that video camera. <laughs> yeah. How great was that? Now that I think about it, yeah, me and my cousin stole that video camera. That basically, it was like the beginning of me making films. Yeah. And then it got stolen from me. So, like, it's like, you know. You've had but to the, make that's the thing. up for it ever since. Yeah, like, but. We're uh, making real movies. Or well, and, yeah, and getting robbed all the time. Yeah. You know, and it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. I've never been that upset about getting robbed. You've seen me get robbed a number of times. It's like, eh, whatever, you know, like shit, shit happens. But I, I think that you got to kind of put yourself through those exercises. Do the thing that you wouldn't expect yourself to do in those situations. Yeah. You know, yeah. O- awaken your Christ consciousness, have compassion for people in a way. And I think that you know, the, the the best moments to do those are the most intense, the, the ones where you're so, you know that you're right, mm-hmm. that this person is fucking with you and they are targeting you and you know you're right. Mm-hmm. And everyone can see that. Mm-hmm. In those moments, to flip the script, mm-hmm. that's when you start to accrue some wisdom. Mm-hmm. That shit sticks with your, your, your cells remember it. Oh yeah, that's like it kind of feels like a game now. How fast can you flip the script? Yes. And we just yes. and that's why you and I give each other more space now cuz it's like, all right, cool, run this one out. I'll see you later, you yeah. know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, but but I mean, that's that's where you can that's where you can use this pronoia mm-hmm. way of seeing things. Like like I tell my dad about the seizures. The seizures are here to wake you up, man. They're here to make you a better person. Mm-hmm. Use them for that. Well, that's like, that's what we've been able to do with our fights. Like, pronoia about like, oh, yeah, we fought. Okay, we're going to be closer now. You know what I mean? Not yeah. holding on to the trauma of the fight, but just instantly like flipping the script from like, oh, that would hurt so bad. And I cried so hard. And blah, 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 yeah. to like, oh, look at what we just worked through, you know? Yeah. But I mean, in the, in the grand scheme there, it, yeah, it is. It's, it's us. Um, they're, they're little pixels. They're, they're, they're little like faulty pixels that were like, okay, cool. Now we fixed that one. Mm-hmm. It, it, there's gonna be many other that mm-hmm. need to be dealt with but like we we repaired that little pixel and now we can shine a little bit more brighter and clear yeah we've had to be together what like nine plus years to almost 10 years or whatever for like us to just be able to <laughs> i don't know this it's interesting how um i feel like we're just getting to the place where we're learning how to communicate and say i feel i feel this way you know what I mean? We're like we're upgrading our language and our nonviolent yeah. communication where it's like, okay, yeah. it's taken us like pretty much a decade to when we have feelings to acknowledge them as our own, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Rather than being defensive, I'm like, I feel defensive. <laughs> yeah. Well, that that little flip of the script, that little adding that word. Cuz you have to dig a little deeper like yeah. what is my feeling? What yeah. am I feeling here that's causing me to act a fool? Yeah. Oh, you know how embarrassing it is in the, at least at first that it's now it's changed, but how embarrassing it is for me to have to, in, in the depths of one of my fucking worst moments to have to say to you, even though I've been blaming you, I know this isn't fucking have anything to do with you Cass. Like I'm, I'm just like, like I had to do that yesterday. Mm-hmm. I had to do that yesterday. Like we got up, we were having a good day and you're like, why don't you hit up a couple of your friends? I made paintings for them. I want to drop them off. And I just was like, Ugh. I just came, became paranoid. Yeah. I was like, fuck, I don't want to hit anyone up. They don't like me. No one wants to hang around with me. They're not going to respond to my texts. I'm like, bitterly was like, fine, I'll fucking do it. And I hit them up. They didn't get back to me within five minutes. And I'm like, you see? <laughs> you see what I mean? No one wants to be around me. You made me do this. You're fucking out of control right now. You have some idea in your head that we need to do something. And it has nothing to do with me. And it's making me feel really self-conscious. I don't want to conjure up these demons that my friends don't like me. I don't want to think about it. Why are you making me think about this? And before I could even be done fucking bitching and moaning, they had already both gotten back to us excited to hang out. But I kept it going <laughs> until we were in the driveway you of the person. It for all yeah, and and then you know it's just like it's just so um, 
embarrassing in those it, it, when it when it dawns on you when you're in one of those moments like oh it's not her it's not them it's not her it's me it's me you know mm-hmm. i gotta do some work yeah i gotta i gotta get my confidence back yeah I, you know it, it might just be a small thing you need to do too yeah well it's really really pleasurable for me to go from like being really invested in you feeling better to like letting you have the space to milk it you know? Yeah, I'm like, yeah. oh, he's gonna milk this one. It's all right. <laughs> well, but then I end up. It, what's great is I end up making myself feel better, and it's great because I just taught myself how to swim. You yeah. didn't. You didn't throw me a life preserver. You didn't. You didn't have to. You wanted to, but you didn't really have to because you were like, oh, he's starting to get the hang of this, and it'll be much more useful to him moving forward if he could just learn how to swim in this himself instead of me throwing life preservers all the time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, sorry about that. It's just so funny. It's all so funny. Yeah. It's, it's, no, it's, no, it's all good. Yeah, I know. We're we're good to each other. Yeah, no, and I think it's funny to talk about this stuff. I don't think we could do the drugs we do if we weren't. Good to each other? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know how many people we know, like, went and took ayahuasca and then got a divorce? Mm-hmm. Or Probably was for like, the best, or, yeah. or, like, took shrooms for the first time with their partner and broke up. And they, were, they were together 12 years before that, you know? No, I've been thinking... <laughs> I think I love you more than I've ever loved you. Yeah, man. You've been looking at me in a way that I'm like, I don't know if you've ever looked at me like this. I and know, I think it I has know. to do, you had a dream the other night where we were like. Locked eyes. And we were just like. You know, transmuting like like a love. Thing just like orgasmic love vibrations through just looking. And yeah. ever since then, you're looking at me a little different. But um, you were so nice to me when we were on acid the other day. Like you were so sweet. You were just like looking at me very lovingly. It's and, easy. You're so cute. Oh. <laughs> But yeah, I don't know. Like, I yeah, it's crazy. Like, we've been together for so long, and the more I get to know you, the more I love you. You know. Well, because it's I'm getting to know me too. Yeah. So it's it's like it's this exciting thing. We're not stagnating. I'm turning 39 years old next week. Mm-hmm. I feel younger than ever, and like more vibrant and healthier, and more excited. And I don't know shit, and that's what's great. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. It's awesome. It's awesome. I don't want to get into that American attitude of like getting addicted to thinking you know something. Yeah. I don't fucking know anything. Yeah. And it, it's awesome at 39 to be like such a student of life mm-hmm. and showing up with that attitude as opposed to as opposed to showing up like you're an expert to everything. Mm-hmm. That ain't fun. What kind of learning is going to go on if you're already an expert in everything? Yeah. Well, yeah. and then when you realize you don't have the best information, you're going to be attached to (laughs) things the way they were right yeah exactly yeah i'm gonna hit this fucker this has been cool this little podcast yeah yeah a couple pronoid androids yeah just smoking drinking a little coffee microdosing yeah i mean this is um we basically split one cup of coffee and drink it over the course of three days (laughs) Yeah. And it still feels like our hearts are exploding. Well, no, it's no. I I didn't have an exploding one. I had like. Oh, my heart's been exploding this whole time. Oh, well, you're drinking and too much. You've had too much. Three sips. No, it's too much. <laughs> You've had too much. You've had too much. Well, you give me these big ass Dave and Buster's glass. Oh my God! It's so it was so funny the other day. You, <laughs> we bought some ice creams. Remember that. Well, I'm just thinking of me saying like, no, you've had too much coffee. It reminds me of when we bought those. We, we were talking about whoopie pies with Emma. Yeah. And then, you know, too bad they don't make them vegan and gluten free. And then we go to the grocery store and they had them somehow have vegan gluten free whoopie pies. Yeah. And I took the first bite and I said, no, we're not having this. Yeah. You like called it off for the three of us. I was like, we're none You're of like, us are eating this. Y'all were not doing this. And no, because I don't want to be around people and like who've overdosed on sugar. <laughs> me and Emma both ate a little piece and, um, man, she described it really well. She's like, the sugar is like coursing through my veins right now. I'm like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, it felt like I was peaking again. Yeah. It was towards the end of our acid trip. I felt like I was peaking again. Mm-hmm. Like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. What is sugar? Yeah. Christ in heaven. Yeah, we were all very sensitive. But I was like, no, don't eat. Don't eat anymore. And and you like you looked like a like a like a naughty little kid. You just like threw it in your mouth and like Yeah. You're like, Oh, it's gone. Too bad. <laughs> yeah. Well that was me fighting back a little bit. And then yeah. you and I said, Well, you I, you can't look at me and complain about you don't feel good. Yeah. Yeah. 
but I did. And then you did it. I said, nope, you're not allowed. And I was like, definitely, it's uh, it's it's regrettable to, <laughs> to eat that. and uh, But, like, I didn't pay the price for too long. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you were about to eat a whole another one to the dome by yourself. And I was like, I got to dance with people all the time because... Some people like have a attitude where they don't want me to mother them because mm-hmm. like it's my in- instinct to <laughs> mama cast. Yeah, it's my instinct to be like, okay, no, like we're not gonna eat. This is just objectively, this is not a good idea to have a frozen icing um, with a million ingredients. Yeah, you couldn't even name one of the ingredients. But you know, there's certain people like Emma was saying, like I don't like to be told what to do, so. You know, you got to be careful. Like I have a friend who every time we get in the car, I'd be like, can you put your put your seatbelt on? And she won't put her seatbelt on because I said it. She yeah. wears her seatbelt all the all the time otherwise. But there's something about how different people relate with each other that they a lot of people don't like to be told what to do. And I can respect that. But that's where I have to get in more into judo. Where it's yeah. like I don't say don't eat the sugar or don't eat the whoopie pie. I say like, I don't know. Say I got to get really smart, basically. You say have three of them. Have three reverse psychology live it up live it up <laughs> i hope we can cap i hope this smoke screen is getting captured. yeah the smoke looks great in here couldn't figure out really a good camera setup for this one so the wide shot has the the close-up cameras in them yeah we're we're experimenting this yeah. is just for fun so it's all just for fun whatever whatever we're coming up on almost 200 episodes of this though yeah yeah we better get serious at some point right yeah, I, I don't. What about sponsorships? What about what about iTunes reviews? What about guests? What about guests? Yeah, every once in a while, I think should we ask for iTunes reviews? Because would that help us get more legitimate guests or something? I don't want more legitimate guests. I want less legitimate guests. Yeah. I want to bring people like more people like Gabriel, mm-hmm. like like Daniel. Like where where it's like they don't have some website where you can go and say, oh wow, they took a sixty day course in meditation and now there is some sort of no, where, where it's like you gotta feel it and you mm-hmm. gotta you gotta listen to your heart and read if that person is for you and if what they're saying is for you. Cool. Well, let's call it in. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, more guests, more fun, maybe some more light travels in our future. Little trips. Mm-hmm. Yep. Cool. Well, I love you. I love you. I love doing this and it's so much fun. And we'll see you on the other side. Peace and love. Peace and love. <laughs>